Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. Well, we're going to look at 1 John chapter 2 today, and we want to look at verses 3 through 6. But I'll go back and, and try to see if we can uh, get this all up to speed and catch us up with what's going on. When we look at the book of 1 John, really it's a book of test. There's three really kinds of tests in there, and he keeps cycling back through these tests. There's the test of right doctrine or right teaching. Don't let that word doctrine scare you. It just means what do you believe about the Bible? That's all it means. What do you believe about the Bible? Uh, there's, a, there's the test of uh, morality. How do we behave? And then there's also the test of love. Tonight we're going to talk about really the test of uh, morality and talk about that. But what we want to see tonight is as we start this book, we see in the first part of the chapter, chapter 1, he begins to talk about, about this truth that we saw him and we handled him, that which was from the beginning. And you know, it's been said a lot of times about the Bible, if it's, if it's new, it's not true. Because a lot of people are coming up with a lot of crazy stuff that's just not true about the Bible. But the Bible was written, and uh, you know, a lot of times we get in Bible studies maybe, and people say, well, it means this to me, and it means this to me. And yeah, it can mean that to you, but there's only one true meaning of a scripture, and uh we can agree to disagree on some of it, but really the Bible was written with one meaning in, in mind. And even in the Old Testament, we would say, well, how does that apply to me? And a lot of times there's this timeless principle that you can look into the Bible and see what that means. You know, like Daniel. You say, what's it got to do with me? I'm not up under this king and I'm not, you know, being the cupbearer and I'm not all these things. But the principle is that obeying God, praying and seeking God and trusting God and having faith in Him, right? So there's all these things that are behind these, these principles. So John wants to write and he says, the things which we have seen, the things we've heard, the things we have, that we've handled Him, we've touched Him, we've seen Him with our eyes, the Word of life which was manifested to you, we've seen Him and heard Him and touched Him and we declare this to you and He keeps going on and on about how we've seen him and heard him and touched him. And he wants us to know, first of all, that Jesus is a real person and that we can have fellowship with him, right? And he says this thing, that this, this teaching which you've heard from the beginning, you need to keep looking to that teaching, right? You don't need to believe all this new stuff. And let me give you a little bit of background because what was happening during this time was there was these people and and they're around today, but they don't really call themselves Gnostics. They were the people, if you read the book of 1 John, you'll see John uses the word no over and over and over again. K-N-O-W. And what he's doing is kind of spitting in the face to these false teachers because they say they have this super knowledge. That's what Gnostic means, is super knowledge. And they believe that just because they have this super knowledge, that they can live any way they want to. They, they supposedly can be saved and do anything they want to, live any way they want to. And John's saying, look, that's not true. 
what you've heard and what you've seen and what we've handled and the things that we've taught you in the past. This is what you need to look at. This is what you need to listen to. And don't let anybody uh, run a line on you and tell you this new stuff is what you need to be looking at now. And there's a lot of people around today that are saying, you know, I'm saved or I'm going to heaven, but they live like the devil. Their life isn't any different than anybody else's out there. They're still getting drunk all the time. Their mouth isn't cleaned up. And I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. You know, it's about direction, not perfection. You know, Paul said, I hadn't arrived. I hadn't made it, but I press on, right? Philippians 3, 12 to 14. He says, I, after 30 years, I'm still giving it all I got. I'm trying to, I'm trusting Christ and trying to be like him through his power. But you know what? I haven't arrived. I haven't made it. And none of us ever will on this side of earth on this side of heaven but the bottom line is is we need to our goal our he says but my goal is to be like christ to reach for the prize the goal is to be like him and i give it all my effort i stretch my muscles to the limit i give it all i got and that's what he says and that's what we ought to be doing and if our desire is not to please god and our desire is not to live for god is what John's going to keep telling us over and over again. If that's not the way we want to live, then that shows that we really truly haven't been saved. And that's kind of what John does through all these tests. And so the first test is, do we believe, you know, here he's talking about this truth that was from the beginning, Jesus is God, and that we can have fellowship with him, and we have fellowship with each other. And that's not just friendship, but it's, but it's a spiritual connection if you're a believer. You've got a spiritual connection with God because of the Holy Spirit, but you've got a spiritual connection with each other. And you can run into somebody you don't even really know them, and all of a sudden you say, I really like that person. You find out they're a believer because, you know, your spirit speaks to their spirit because the spirit of Christ lives in us. And so then he goes on to talk about this message we've heard that God is light and in him is no darkness. In other words, Jesus is completely pure and righteous and holy and there is no lies untruth or anything else in him and then he goes on to talk about these people that say that uh they say they have fellowship but they walk in darkness is what he says in verse six and then in verse eight he says if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us and in verse 10 he goes on to say if we say we've not sinned we make god a liar and his word is not in us and but in between that, he contrasts these true believers that walk in the light. They walk in truth. They walk towards God. They're living for God. They're not doing it perfectly because it says there if we, that he writes this that we may not sin, but if anyone sins, we have an advocate, right? And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And so the bottom line is, is Christians are not perfect. They never will be. But the difference is they have trusted in Jesus' payment on the cross to forgive them of their sins. And so when they do sin, that sin has been paid for and that's not going to keep them from going to heaven. Now, if we're really truly Christians, we're going to confess. We're going to be upset. We're going to be not happy when we do wrong things. And if we can continue to live, as he's going to talk about today, if we can continue to live these ways, and not want to please God and want to do whatever we want to do all the time 
And God's not disciplining us. God's not making us feel guilty. God's not putting a hurting on us. You know, it says over in 1 Corinthians 11 that, that uh, these people are sick and weak and some have died because they would not judge themselves. They were living in sin. They were eating the, eating the Lord's Supper in a sinful manner. They were having these sexual orgies. They were doing all these things. And they were living in such a way that God had to judge them, and he was taking them home. They were Christians, but he was, bam, you're out of here. You're dead. And, you know, we don't ever know somebody's a Christian, and they're riding down the road, and they have a car accident, head-on collision, they're gone. We don't know. Or they get cancer or something else, you know. I mean, we don't ever know what God's doing. God still judges people today. Some people think the God of the Old Testament was this mean, angry God that got even with everybody. But in the New Testament, he's changed. We just don't always see it. We just don't always know what's going on. And God is not some angry, mean God. He just wants us to live for him because he knows the standards that he puts out there. The Ten Commandments and all the other rules that are in the Bible that's the way to live. I mean, you know, I always tell folks, you know, you, you wouldn't let your kids go play out in the middle of a busy highway, would you? Or your grandkids or, you know, some of your family. You wouldn't let them go do that, would you? And that's what God says about us. He doesn't want us to get hurt. And so he puts these rules and these laws in place and said, Marty, I love you. And if you will keep my commandments and trust me and follow me. Thank you. Then, then I'm going to keep you. Yes, we're going to have trouble. Yes, we're going to have problems. Yes, we're going to have bad things. And sometimes we have really bad things happen to us. But it's not because we have sinned and caused these things, right? Because you know and I know. Like I said, I hadn't always been a preacher. But we all know that, that when we sin, there are consequences. You know, you could choose your sin, but you can't choose the consequences. After you done stole something, it's too late. You can't hit the undo button. You can't hit the delete button, can you? After you hit somebody and hurt somebody and got caught drunk driving or whatever you did, or we can't hit the undo button or the delete button. I wish we could. You know, it'd be nice to have an undo button. <laughs> but we can't. And so that's what John wants us to understand, and that's what God wants us to understand. And he tells us we have this advocate in heaven that the Father sent Jesus Christ to be our heavenly lawyer. And he stands in our place. And, and when the old devil accuses us, he says, look what Marty did. And the, old, and the old devil says, see what? See that? See what he did? And Jesus says, you know what? I paid for that sin. Amen. And he says, well, what about that one? He said, no, I paid for that one. And one day, I think it's Revelation 12, he says he's going to throw the accuser to brother and out of heaven. The devil, he'll never get back in front of him. Because if you remember in the book of Job, it says the sons of God came before God. And the uh, devil came too. And, Je and God said, have you seen my servant Job? And the devil said, he's a paid lover. Let me have at him and he'll curse you. But he didn't, did he? He proved that he trusted God. And that's what God wants from us, guys. And so let's read verses 3 through 6 and then we'll... We'll uh, move on today. All right. First John chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, 
and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walks. So we're talking about the test of obedience. And so true Christians obey God's word. Like I said, we're not perfect. But it's about direction, not perfection, right? We strive for perfection, but we'll never make it. It says that the wicked falls and nobody's there to pick him up. But the righteous man falls seven times. I wish I could remember what verse that is. But God picks him up every time. And so God is always there for us. And we may fail, we may fall, we may mess up. I mean, think about Peter, how, what did he do? I mean, there are not but a couple of guys in the Bible that didn't, that didn't really, that God doesn't have anything to say about them, that they didn't do something wrong, right? I mean, David committed multiple murders. I mean, he, he uh, had, uh, what's his name, Uriah's, uh, he committed adultery with her and had, had that guy killed and a bunch of people with him, had them all put up in the front of the line and all, they all and then they withdrew and all them people got killed. I, you know, Moses killed a man. Abraham lied and said, you know, that's my sister, you know, and, and Moses went in. I mean, it's just, you know, all these things they did. And, and none of us are perfect. Peter, he denied Christ, but he says, I prayed for you. And when you've turned back, strengthen the brethren. And so Peter, at the worst time, he denies Christ. But he doesn't fall away completely because he's a real man of God. And when he comes back, he goes and he's the leader of the church for the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts, if you go read that. All the first 12 chapters is full of Peter. And it always says Peter first because Peter was the leader. And... Paul comes in in about chapter 12 sometime or beginning of 13 and then the rest of the book of Acts is filled with Paul. And I don't know exactly why that is, but Paul came in and Paul was this great mighty man of God and Peter was too. So what we want to see here is this is a book of assurance that tells us that our knowledge and our lifestyle should match. In other words, our walk should match our talk. It's easy to say, I'm a Christian, or I got a PhD. <laughs> and no, I don't have no PhD. <laughs> I don't even have a college degree, not, a, not a one in a typical school, right? And, uh, but I've got like this Bible degree that's something I studied at home and did, but I don't have a, a college degree. I've got a high school diploma. You know, but it's, it, you know, there was a guy that he said he was a colonel and said he served and he didn't even serve. He didn't do nothing. He sure wasn't a colonel. But they found that out, but he wanted everybody to call him a colonel. And then they found out he didn't even never serve. And he sure wasn't a colonel. See, that's why it's easy to say something, but it's, but it's harder to do it, right? And that's where the rub comes in. What are we going to do? Does our walk match our talk? And that's what John wants us to understand. And we can truly know Christ is in us and that we're his child if our desires and our want-tos are to serve him and to follow him and to obey him. Like I said, we're going to mess up, we're going to fail. But when we do, we should feel bad about it. We should feel guilty. We should feel upset and want to go back to God and say, God, I've, I've, 
need to be forgiven. I've done wrong. That's where he says, if we confess our sins. Confessing means, oh, well, if I messed up, God, I'm sorry. No. God, I lied. God, I stole. God, I cheated. God, I... Please forgive me. You can't put a poison in a bottle that says vitamin B and drink it and it's good for you. <laughs> so you can't lie to God. And so what we want to understand is that if we know truly, truly know God, we're going to be represent that by the way we live, right? Amen. And so I don't know if you've looked in... I guess it's in Luke, but it's, I think it's also in Matthew 4, Mark 4. It talks about this parable of the soils and the seeds. I know we've talked about those before, but, you know, if you look at these parables of the soils and the seeds, I'm trying to see which one it is in chapter, it's Mark 4 is what it is. But what he says is he talks about these seeds and the one that received it with joy and he and, it, and the seed fell on the rock, and for a little while the guy was joyful, and he received the word with joy. But then it says that the devil come and came and stole the, the word of God away, right? And then, uh, or one of them didn't even really hear it, and then the other one, he says that, that he received it with joy for a while. When the trials and the temptations came, what happened? He walked off, right? And then another one, because he... He said the cares and the riches of this world. So the things of this world got to him and he cared more about them than he did about God's stuff. And so he walked off. But he says the last one did what? He said he bears fruit, right? He says, uh, verse 20 of chapter 4, uh, but these are the ones that are sown on the good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it. They hear the word, accept it. And bear fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. See, not all of us bear fruit at the same amount. And what is fruit? Fruit is living godly. It's, you know, the Bible says in uh, Hebrews 13, 15, the fruit of our lips is the praise of our, our, our mouth is fruit to God, right? Fruit is bringing people to Christ, growing in Christ. Those, so those are some of the things that we're talking about. And so... As time goes on, if we're truly believers, we should want to be more like God every day. We should want to read his Bible more. We should want to be more like him. We should want to study it more. I tell people sometimes, they say, well, how do you get faith? I say, well, you trust him in the little thing, and then when he shows you he can do that, then you trust him in the bigger thing, and you keep doing that. How do you, how do you, how do you grow in the Word? Well, you start reading it. And you develop a hunger for it. You know, it, it, you just don't, it, it's, it's like an acquired taste. You have to read it to be able to want more of it. But the more you read, the more you want, right? And, and I mean, I started this a few years ago now. And you take a book of the Bible or a chapter or a, or a couple of chapters, or you know, one of these short books, or you take a couple of chapters and you read it 30 days in a row, or 60 days, or 90 days, and just look at all the stuff that pops out of you. I mean, you read it the first few days, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like, nah. but after about the fourth or fifth day, you kind of start seeing things. 
and you start picking up on things that are in the Word and it begins to jump out at you and you see all these things you never saw before. And you see little words, the and an and all kinds of little stuff. It's, and he repeats stuff and it's just like, wow, I never saw that before, you know. But that's the way it is if you really want to know God and, and trust him and follow him. And so, uh, you know, the way we truly know that we've come to know God is by walking in obedience. Romans 2.8 says, But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Those are the ones who are not believers, right? Second Thessalonians 1.8 says, In flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not go, know God and on those who don't, do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it says in... Uh, John 14, 15. I mean, you can turn there and look. And there's four places in John 14 and 15. It says, John tells his disciples, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. Verse 23, he said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. 14, 24 says, he who does not love me does not keep my words and the words which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. John 15 10 if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love and John, another word John likes in, in the gospel of John and in the first John and second John and third John is this word abide and it means a close intimate relationship it means that you continue walking you remain you stay that you don't walk off. You continue with them. First John 2.19 says they went out from us because they were not of us. You know, some people go to the church. That's some ones that it's, they received the word with joy for a little while. And then what happened? They disappeared, right? Because they were never truly believers. And if you're really truly believers, then your walk to's change. I used to want to go chase women. I used to want to go to the bars. I used to want to go get drunk. I used to want to go get high. I used to want to go do this. I used to want to go do that. And now I want to go please, I want to please God, right? I mean, that's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. A Christian doesn't obey God because he has to, but he obeys God because he wants to. Listen, uh, nobody had to tell you to love your kids. You know, I'm sure every one of us here, I don't know, well, I won't say that, but, but you know, naturally, a mother or a father should love their kids, right? right? And we don't have to tell somebody to love their wife or love their kids or love their family. Why do they love them? Because they want to, right? And some people love their kids. I mean, the kids have done everything in the book to them and destroyed their whole lives, taken everything they got. I know people, they've lost their houses. They've lost just everything they got because their, their kids just took advantage of them and just completely about destroyed their whole lives. They were up, up to their neck because the kids took everything and they kept giving and giving and giving and giving them one more chance, one more chance, one more chance. But they still loved them in spite of all that. I know at least three people that have had that happen. One of the guys, he was 84 years old and, and just recently died. And the other lady, she's right at 80. And, 
And I don't know, I hope her son's really changed now. Now the other lady, she's 85 or 86 now, and she went to live with her family, and that was a big mistake, but she's stuck there now. She could leave. She bought him a house. That's all they ever wanted was her money. But she's there stuck with them. They had land. They had a nice house with a dock. And then they had another piece of empty land. They had to sell that to hock it to get them. Every time they turn around, the guy, he, he doesn't pay his taxes. And they're helping them and hocking this and selling that and refinancing their house and doing all these things so they can, so they can help them pay their, his, his taxes so he doesn't go to prison, right? And all they do is just take advantage and the daughter just, you know, treats her mama like she's the problem. She put on Facebook out there one day, yeah, ever since I've been old enough to, I've been taking care of my parents. I don't know what they do without me. I said, boy, they'd be really happy. They'd be really, they'd be really good shape if you hadn't been there. And then I told some people, what she said and sent them the messages, all this stuff she wrote about trying to put her mom in a nursing home and all this stuff and take all her money and stuff. And whoo, I got a nasty message from her. I didn't even answer that phone call. But she left me a nasty message and went out on my Facebook page and started writing stuff. And fortunately, my wife saw it right about the time it got posted. And, and I went out there and deleted it and blocked her, you know? But it was like, She's going to trash me. Say, so, well, yeah, he's a minister, and he's done this stuff and said this stuff, and it's all lies. Well, what kind of guy is this? I'm looking out for your mama. You ain't saved, and all you've ever done is steal and lie and cheat from your mama. I mean, what, her husband, he always played the good guy, you know. And, and one day she sees, well, they took a few dollars out of the bank account online. She never had an online account. She didn't even know how to do online stuff. This lady's 80 years old. She don't even know how to do that stuff. I don't know how they got the online access. They must have done some serious lying and doing to get the access to it. I don't know what they did. So she calls the guy and says, what'd you do? Did y'all take some money out of my account? Oh, oh, yeah, we accidentally took some money out your account. Did you accidentally open the account, online account too? Because she didn't have one. Did you accidentally go in there and sign the papers or whatever you did to get that? I don't even know how they did it. You know, I have no idea. Yeah, we accidentally took a few dollars out and put it back in. They were testing her. Find out if she was going to see. See, that's the kind of people that don't care about nobody but themselves. And Matthew 15, 8, Jesus said, These people draw near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I mean, some people talk that talk, you know. <laughs> what is it? So many people like that buddying up to you, and the whole time they just stabbing you in the back, right? You know, I had a friend. I, well, I can't call him a friend, really. I mean, he'd do stuff, and I'd offer to pay him for him, and then he'd, he, he wouldn't let me pay him, so I, I get with you later. And then he'd tell everybody, you know how Marty is, he don't pay me. And then he did the same thing about my dad. We used to take him all over the place, pick up cars, because he had his mobile service. And we'd take him, pick up a car, and drive his car back. He'd drive the other car once he got it started or whatever, and go help him out 10 o'clock at night or whatever, and take him, my daddy'd take him out to eat, and, you know, and do all this stuff. And he'd do a little work on the car and offer to pay him. And, 
Well, you know how your daddy is after daddy died. He says, well, you know how your daddy was, you know, he was cheap and he didn't want to, you know, and one of the last things daddy ever said to me was, why don't you get along with him? Why do you hate him? I said, I don't hate him. I said, I just don't have any use for people that, that say one thing to your face and say something behind your back all the time. You know, I mean, who, who's got use for people like that? I, I don't have time for people like that. There's enough stuff going on in the world without that, right? So they talk nice to you in your face, and then they go around lying to everybody and say, hey, you, you know how your daddy was. And that was the last time I called him, except for when he had a heart attack. I did call him. And he's still like, yeah, brother, I love you. And I'm like, yeah, I know you do. <laughs> Let me turn my back so you can stab me again. You know, once you get out, get over your triple bypass or whatever you had, you know. So anyway, he says, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So if we follow God and like I said, this is not perfect, guys. What is the desire of your life? Do you want to do what's right? Do you want to do are you upset when you fail, when you fall, when you mess up, when you, you know, because you know you did wrong and you're going to want to go back and confess to God and say, God, you know, I messed up. I'm sorry. I did it again. And all of us do that. We do it over and over and over again. You know, we got those sins that some of, you know, all of us got those sins of what do you call them? I don't know what the exact name is, but they're, they're, they're these habits that we picked up and they just, they still beat us to death all the time. You know, sometimes it's like, yeah, it's like strongholds. It's like thought processes or drinking or whatever it might be, you know, and you keep falling in those holes. You know they're there, but you keep falling in them. But bottom line is, is we can overcome those things with Christ, but what happens is we fall in there and the devil says, oh, you done messed up now. God will never forgive you. He won't, he won't receive you back. But see, God says he's removed our sins as far as the east to west. He's forgiven them. He's forgotten them. He's, it, they're gone. And, you know, it, that doesn't give us a license to sin. You know, I mean, that, that's the people I'm talking about that they say, you know, well, I'm saved and I can live any way I want to. You know, this term, uh, I don't know if y'all ever heard this before, once saved, always saved. It's got a bad... I don't know what to say, bad rap. <laughs> That's all I can say is it's got a bad, you know, people say, ah, oh, yeah. People say that and they say, well, I, I'm saved and I can live any way I want to. Well, my, my, my Bible says, my Bible says I'm saved and I can't live any way I want to. I, I'm supposed to obey. I'm supposed to follow. I'm supposed to do all these things. And if through God's power, I could do it, Right. But on my own, I can. Somebody said one time, and when I try, I fail. But when I trust, I succeed. And so when I trust him, I can succeed. I can overcome those things. And so he goes on back. And he remember we kept talking about in those verses before that if someone says, if someone says, if someone says, and James kind of uses that too, right? In his book, he says, if a man says he has faith, but he doesn't have works, he, his faith is dead, right? He's not really saved. He said even the demons believe and tremble. I mean, the devil believes there's a God. He knows there's a God. You know, the, the demoniac of Gadarene, he says, Oh, son of God, the most high, have you come here to torment me before the time? He knew that was Jesus. 
but he's not going to heaven? And so he says in verse 4, He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. See, John keeps calling all these people liars. These people say that they know him. Like I said, Luke 6, 46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say do? I don't think I wrote that verse down, but there's a verse that talks about those people, and I think it's in Matthew 7, talks about they said they did signs, and they're standing before God one day, and they said, we did signs, we did wonders, we did miracles, we've cast out demons, we've prophesied in your name. And Jesus says, depart from you, me, you workers of iniquity, you, you workers of sin. I never knew you. I never knew you. And knowing Christ is a deep, intimate knowledge. It's, I don't, I know him. He knows me. And I have a knowledge of him through the word and through trusting him and following him, right? How do you get to know somebody? You hang out with them, you study them, you try to find out what they like and what they don't like. That's how you. That's what the Bible tells you to do, right? Tells you what to do and what not to do, how to do, what he likes, what he doesn't like. Do this, don't do that. Amen. You know, and, and then he says, but I'm not just going to leave you out there to do it on your own. I'm going to give you the power to do it. Amen. See, that's the good thing about being a Christian is, you know, we can go all these programs and, you know, walk out and go back and do what we used to do because programs, they're good, but they don't really address the problem. We've talked about that before. It's like chopping the head off a dandelion, right? Next day or a few days later, you got three or four popping up, right? Because you didn't get the root of the problem. What's the root of the problem? The root of the problem is the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? And the Bible says that God said he'd give us a new heart. He'd cut out that heart of stone and he'd give us a new heart, a heart of flesh. And then he poured the love of God out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And so he changes us from the inside. We try to change from the outside in, but that doesn't work. What God does is he comes on the inside and he says, I'm going to change you from the inside out. But you got to let me. You got to quit resisting me. You got to quit fighting me. You got to quit saying no and say yes. You know, some people are, 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 I mean, they could be, you know, in their 70s, 80s, 90s, and they'd be baby Christians. Because they've just never studied the Word. They've never got in the Word. They've never really dug into it to find out what the Word of God wants for, has for them. And, and when God said do something, they, they said yeah. Instead, they just sat on their rear ends and did nothing. And let the world go by and missed out on God's best for their life. And he says, he who says he knows him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. Listen to what he says, 1 John 1, 7. If we say we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, darkness we lie. Verse 2, 4, I just read that. Doesn't keep his commandments, he's a liar. Chapter 2, verse 22 says, Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Chapter 4, verse 20, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. You know, this is that namby-pamby guy. Everybody thinks he's this namby-pamby guy, John that lays on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper. But you remember who John and James were? They were called the sons of thunder. <laughs> and when the people didn't do what he wanted them to do, they spoke to Jesus and said, Jesus, why don't you call down lightning and strike these people dead? 
And Jesus said, that's not what we're here for. We're here to be, see people saved, changed, right? Amen. I mean, if God struck us down every time we sinned, we'd all be dead. Right. There wouldn't be any Christians. Right. First time we sinned, bam. First time we, we lied. First time we stole as a little kid, you know? I mean, we started all that stuff at young ages. <laughs> like I said, I got this long scar on my head from that brick that boy hit me with. I looked at it the other day in the mirror. I said, Lord, have mercy. That was where my hairline used to be. And that thing is that long where that boy hit me with that brick. I hit him the next year with it. Another one. <laughs> yeah. I told you all that story before. He says, you can't get to that brick before I get to you. I said, you want a bet? <laughs> that boy was always whooping my butt no matter what I did. Every time he... Turned me over and whooped me. I couldn't beat him for nothing. I don't know what the deal was. I just I guess he was tougher than I was. But no matter what happened, but I got him that time. I knocked him flat out. He knocked me out the year before. <laughs> so you know we do all these things as kids, and, and 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 but these are sins. These are wrong. And then he says, but whoever keeps his word, verse 5, truly the love of God is perfected in him. The word of the, the love for God is matured. In other words, we love God more. The more you trust God, the more you love him. The more you follow him, the more you want to love him more and follow him more. The more you read his word, the more you want to read his word, guys. It, it, it's, it's not something that we do and you know, I mean, I challenge you to just take a book of the Bible or a chapter. Read it for a week straight. Take 1 John chapter 1 and read it this week, one week straight. Then take next week, read chapter 2, a week straight. Then go to 3 and 4. I think there's five chapters in there. Read chapter 5, and then when you get through, go to whatever's next. 2 John, 3 John, I think 2 John's one chapter. 3 John is one or two chapters. Go to Jude. <laughs> Man, that's a book. He says, the ungodly who practice ungodliness in their ungodly ways, and God is going to strike down the ungodly. <laughs> there are wells without water, all kinds of stuff. Man, you don't want to be in hell, guys. You want to be in heaven. You want to trust Christ. You want to get his best for you now. You know, I'm not saying this is your best life now, but what I am telling you is that without Christ... This is as good as it's ever going to be. Because it only gets worse from here. Think about the worst sickness you ever had. The worst whatever you had. And all you wanted to do was get better. Guess what? When you go to hell, you ain't going to get better. And that worst disease, that worst sickness, that worst whatever you went through is going to be like a picnic in the park compared to hell. And see, God said he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected or matured in him. And we keep on growing. We keep on becoming more and more like him. We keep wanting to be more like him over and over and over again. And the, the emphasis is that we... By this, we know that we are in him. And so this emphasis is in our ability to have confidence that we know him and we trust in him. Like I said, the, I believe the whole theme of the whole book is in 1 John five thirteen. He says, these things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. 
I ask people are they saved, they say, well, I hope so, I think so, I might be. Don't give me that answer. Tell me I put my trust in what Jesus did. He died in my place. He was buried. He rose again the third day. and, And I put my trust in him as my Savior and Lord because he died for my sins. Died for your sins. He died for everybody's sins. And if we will ask him to forgive us and save us, we can be his child. But we got to ask him. We got to trust him. We got to ask him to forgive us. And so he says, verse 6 He who says he abides in him ought himself to walk just also as to walk just as he walked. In other words, we are to do what? Live the same way Jesus did, right? Now, we can't do that completely. Like I said, because we're not perfect. We're not God, right? There was only one perfect one, and that was Jesus. Nobody been perfect since then. Not even the Apostle Paul. You know, we think about the vine and the branches in in, uh, John 15. Y'all remember the story of the vine and the branches? He takes, talks about those that abide in me and I in him. They bear much fruit, right? But he says those who, and those that bear fruit, he prunes that they might bear more fruit. In other words, that's the hard times, the troubles we go through, the difficulties that we trust in him, we lean on him. And because we do, we get stronger and we grow and we produce more fruit. And that what you do to the bushes, the fruit trees, the pear trees? You prune them, and what do they do? They bear more fruit, right? When you prune them right. And God knows how to prune us, right? He knows when, where, how. But he says those that don't bear fruit, he breaks those branches off and throws them in the fire. What do you think that's talking about? That's hell, right? Those that don't bear fruit because they were never in him. They seem to be in him. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of people in the church that look like they're going to heaven. But ain't everybody talking about going, going to heaven, going to heaven. <clears throat> All these people say, well, you know, yeah, I got these problems. I do this, do that. But I'm going to get in by the skin of my teeth. I might smell like smoke, but I'm going to get in. You sure? <laughs> you sure about that? I don't know about that. I ain't quite sure about that. You know, the Bible says if you really saved, you want to live differently. You're not going to be living that way and say, well, I'm going to get in by the skin of my teeth. That's what the old boy told me. I can still see where I was talking to him that time at work that time. He said, yeah, I'm gonna, I might smell like smoke, but I'm going to get in. I said, okay. I sure hope so. So he says here, whoever abides in him, he who says he abides in him. That's why I said that's that close intimate relationship we remain we stay we are there because not because we have to but because we want to right amen i don't go to church because i have to i don't go to church because i don't i don't read the bible because i have to i don't come in here because i have to i don't go to places to talk about the word of god because i have to i don't do the things i do because i have to i do it because i want to I mean, you know, I know what I used to be. I knew you what I used to do. I know where I was headed. 
I might have been dead by now if I'd have still been on that road. I don't know. You know, I don't know where I'd be right now. I might be crippled or maimed or, you know, I don't know what where I'd be, what I'd be doing. But, you know, I, I look at some of the people that I've known that were on that road and they stayed on that road and they've gone way down the road. Some of them are dead. They've killed themselves. Some of them are dead because of crazy stuff they've done, getting drunk and falling off roofs, walking out in front of cars. Told you those stories. You just don't learn. But you know, the bottom line is, is if we truly know Christ, we'll stay with Him. We'll remain with Him. We'll keep following Him. Like I said, we don't do it perfectly. You know, there's times we wander. I mean, Hebrews talks about be careful lest you drift. I mean, you know, you're riding down the road if you're driving the car and you're not paying a whole lot of attention. They say you know about the ditch, right? Sometimes it's like that in the Christian life. You're not paying attention and you get on autopilot and they say you know you're about in the ditch. Sometimes you get in the ditch. Or sometimes God whoops on your butt before you, <laughs> right before you get in the butch, ditch, you know, because... Because the Bible says that God will take you, if you belong to him, he'll take your butt out and wear your butt out in the woodshed, you know. He will. He said, for this reason, some are weak, some are sick, and some have died. And if, you know, First John talks about it then, and it says there is a sin unto death. And I say you shouldn't pray for that sin. That means that some people, God keeps telling them, say, son, you keep on and you're going to die. You keep on living that way, and you're a Christian, you're going to die. I'm going to take you home. You know, it's like that kid at the park, and, you know, he's messing up and doing something bad. Daddy says, son, one more time, I'm taking you home. All right, come on home. You don't lose your salvation, but you lose your rewards. You lose what God had for you. And then he goes on to say that we aren't to walk just as he walked. You know, Christ is the example, guys. You know, there's a verse, and I can't remember. I think it's in 1 Corinthians 9 or 4. I can't remember. Or 2 Corinthians 4 or 9. I, I can't remember which chapter. But it talks about those that compare themselves with themselves or with others are not wise. See, we want to compare ourselves to other people and say, you know, well, I'm not as bad as he is. Or I don't do the things he is. Or I've grown a little bit more than he has. Or, you know, I know the word better than he does. Or whatever it is we say. But, you know, that's not who we compare ourselves to. We compare ourselves to Christ. Or, or at least the Apostle Paul. You know, we say, well, Christ, you know, he's on the top of the mountain. How did he get there? Because he was always there because he's Christ, right? Amen. And that's why Paul says, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. He says it over and over and over again. The things I do, do. The things you've heard and learned and saw in me, Philippians 4, verse uh, uh, 8 through about you know 10, he says, these do and the God of peace will be with you and near you. The things you've learned and heard and saw in me, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And if you do anything otherwise, God will show you. God will work on you. Amen. You know, Jesus, what was the last, one of the last thing, one of the things Jesus said over John 6? He said, For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. 
And if we're truly Christians, we're here, God's blessed us that we might be a blessing to others. We're sent on a mission as he, he was. You know, Jesus told the, the, told the disciples, he says, follow me and I'll make you what? Fishers of men. And the implication is, is if you're not fishing for men, you're not following Jesus. Are we fishing for men? Are we telling people about Jesus? Are we telling what he did for us? You know, they, we, we don't know what people are going to do. We're his servants. We're his followers. We're to do what he told us to do. I mean, he, he trained these guys for three years just so that they could go and tell others and start the church and do all the things they did, right? I mean, when he's, he's there and all them, there was about 12, 1,400 people came to get Jesus that night. They had a Roman... I uh, forget what they call it, but it was a cohort. And that was, could have been 1,000 to 1,200 people. Then they had all the Jewish priests and the scribes and the Levites. And then they had this mob with them. And they all came with swords and clubs and stuff. And, and, uh, and Jesus said, who do you want? And he said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. And they fell down. And he said, he said again, who do you want? And I don't know how long it took them to get back up and wonder what happened to them. And they were looking around. I, can't, I, I just can't imagine. I think I'd have run after that. But, but they get back up again. He says, who do you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And, and he says, I'm he. Let these other ones go. And he protects his disciples so they can go do what they need to do with the church, right? And you know what? That's what he does for us. He takes care of us and he loves us. And he wants the best for our lives. But we got to want what he wants. We got to trust him. We got to follow him. We got to ask him to forgive us and save us. If you've never done that, would you do that tonight, guys? Don't put it off. Don't wait. Don't say, well, I'll do it tomorrow or next week. I remember there was a story about one guy. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was D.L. Moody. And he, 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 he told people, he said, well, go home and think about this. And he'd given them an invitation to trust Christ. He said, go home and think about this. And he didn't say, do it now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Amen. Harden not your heart. Every time you say no, it gets hard to say yes. And he left that night. And the great Chicago fire happened that night. Burned up the whole city of Chicago. And all them people died. And they never got another chance to trust Christ. Because they didn't. And he said, my biggest regret is I never said today is the day of salvation. Do it now. Do it today. Don't wait if you've never trusted Christ. He died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. That's the gospel, the good news. He was resurrected from the grave. Trust him. Follow him. I'm telling you guys, if you don't know Jesus, you just don't understand what life's all about. You really are missing out on what he has for you. And like I said, it's, it, it's not health, wealth, and prosperity. But it is a life that's way better than what you live without Christ. In spite of the trouble. In spite of the things. Because he says, in this world you will have tribulations. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, right? In other words, you can come overcome the world too. And he said, all who desire to live godly will suffer. That's 
But I'd rather suffer for following Jesus than for 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 my sin, right? Wouldn't you? That's the choice you got. Are you going to follow Jesus and suffer for following Jesus, or are you going to suffer for your sin? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these guys. We just speak to their hearts. And Lord, I pray there's one here tonight. I know wherever I could go, I could go in a church, I could go anywhere, and there's probably going to be at least one person there, Lord, that's never trusted Christ. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak to their heart tonight if there's just one here. Lord, speak to their hearts and help them, Lord, to just cry out and say, Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Save me. You said by faith we're saved through grace. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Help them to understand it's not anything they could do or ever could do, but it's salvation is by grace through faith. It's just putting our trust in what Christ did and say, I know that's enough. Lord, help somebody to do that tonight. For the rest of them here, Lord, that know you, just help them to stay on that straight and narrow, to, to not drift, to not fail, not to fall, but keep their eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of their faith, who for the joy that was set before him despised the cross and endured the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the Father forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.